Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast for Monday, August 28th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the little house on the east side. Not unlike what we did after Whitney Week, I think we're going to divide the early week shows into two parts. I just want to uh, take a moment and just sort of acknowledge the, the the gravity of what we saw this past weekend. And I want to deal with uh, the, the incidents we've had up here at Saratoga in a special show that I'm going to drop today. And then we'll be back with a much more traditional recap of Travers show uh, that will probably drop sometime tomorrow. Yesterday, I was on Sky Sports and we didn't do the typical shift that I do, which is where I pick a whole bunch of uh, horse races and try to find winners for the people. Instead, we all agreed, uh, Dermot, uh, my producer at Sky, particularly had the idea of, like, let's acknowledge the situation and try to find some voices to explain what's going on. And I captured those interviews, and we're going to bring them to you in full in this show. And it'll just be sort of a mini version that addresses this stuff. And then you know, we'll we'll begin to turn the page tomorrow. But I also am reminded of what uh, Jay Privman said when we had him on after the Whitney Stakes and the the, the Maple Leaf Mel um, fatality there, which was that in these situations, allowing yourself time to mourn and, and feel lousy essentially is a big part of the healing process. And that, you know, to just immediately move on doesn't really, at least it doesn't honor the feelings that I have about uh, about the incident. One of the things I was just going to share with you, the audience, was whereas for Maple Leaf Mel, a parent hadn't arrived at the track yet that day. She just ended up coming over for the Whitney. She was there with me for the for the Jerkins, and boy, did it uh, you know make me see the whole situation in a, in a different light. And she was obviously very upset, but uh, you know I tried to explain the basics of what happens to horses in these situations, how it's not that they're expendable after they have an accident. It's much more a case of there's no way for them to healthily recover. They can't lie down. They'd get colic. They can't stand on a unfirm leg. They'd get laminitis. And it really is the the humane thing to do at that point. And, you know, more or less, it seems like she seemed to take it in stretch. She still wanted to stick around for the rest of the races. And we still were talking about racing the, the rest of the day. And, and I'm hoping it didn't lose us a, a racing fan for somebody who's shown some real enthusiasm for it this year. But I did just want to share that story since so much of the things we talk about regarding racing's license to operate, I see through the lens of her, you know, still a still a civilian, really. And uh, obviously, events like what we saw on Saturday make me question <laughs> my decision to make racing seem so appealing to her. But, you know, we, we, we move on. And uh, but before we move on, we're going to spend some time today talking about some of the possible causes. You know, I'll be very upfront. Nobody has answers. This is all more questions than answers. But I do think you can't help but learn something when you listen to people like Dave Granning of DRF and Sean Clancy of the Saratoga Special. And this is horseracing.com. Talk about this stuff. So yeah, no ads today. I'm just going to share those two interviews with you and I'll be back to wrap things up in just a few minutes time. Peter Thomas Fornatal here for Sky Sports Racing with one of the most respected journalists in all of sports as far as I'm concerned and certainly horse racing, David Granning from the Daily Racing Forum. David, it's been a tough few days around here. Are you still in the, the processing mode? Is there any way we can start to make sense of what we've been seeing at Saratoga this meet? Have you ever seen anything like it? Well, unfortunately, I have, um, but not here. Uh, we had a, a big spate of injuries back in the day at Aqueduct. 
that was over a, more of a three-month period. We just come out of a D Kentucky Derby week where we had a lot of uh, fatalities that were kind of unexplained. And that's the problem we have in this industry is we can't explain it. Uh, you can have a theory. Somebody else can have a theory. There might be valid points to both theories, but there's no answer. There's no concrete answer. Um, the, everyone's best interests are at, are at this, trying to solve the problem. Uh, I, I've never seen two horses that looked like they were on their way to victory, two very fast, undefeated three-year-olds. They were the same horse, one male, one female, on their way to win, and all of a sudden, not only don't they win, but they're not ever going to be able to race again. And it's, it's, it was sad. It made a boisterous crowd silent. And I don't have, I just don't have the answer. It's, it's been, it's been brutal. It's made for some very difficult viewing, that's for sure. sure. And you think about things that have happened this year, and I've had the chance to talk to a lot of horsemen off the record. And, and one just working theory seems to be that the thing that's changed since the last Saratoga meeting that these horsemen and women are dealing with is uh, changes in the way medications are allowed to be provided. Now, I'm not in the interest of uh, throwing anybody under the bus or making any wild speculation, but from what you understand, have you heard similar complaints from horsemen about their routines being adjusted? Could that be a piece of what's going on here? It, it could be. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they have to adjust. Uh, I understand the medications are different, but it's how does that change their training? I don't know. Um, but yes, that is, that, that's probably a common denominator here because that's happened across nationally. So it, it can explain something why it's happening at Pimlico, why it's happened in Churchill, why it's happened here in, in, in New York. So there's, that's a theory that has some validity to it. What the actual, what horsemen are actually having to change and, and make differences for and how they can adjust going forward from that remains to be seen, but it has to be done quickly. There has to be some the adjusting has to be done rather quick. HISA have already, uh, they've released a statement. They have people here on the ground supposedly working with the New York uh, Gaming Commission and also Naira. Are, have you heard anything about these meetings taking place? Is there any talk of any action steps that we know of, or is it still much more of a research period? I think it's more of a research period, but I'll be frank with you, Pete. If we have another fatality, whether it be Sunday's card, Wednesday's card, I don't see how you go on. So yes, they made the decision to race today based on talking to jockeys and looking at their moisture content and, and things that look on the surface, literally and figuratively, like they're okay. But you can't, when you can't explain these things, just like at Churchill where they moved into Ellis Park, you have to get away from, from here. And there's six days, six and a half, so we're speaking six and a half days left in this meet. I, I firmly believe the next fatality at Saratoga will be the last fatality for this summer. Wow. Um, one of the things Heiss is, you know, Heiss is the one who's inst instituted these medication policies. I'd like to know if they're the ones talking to trainers saying, how are you adjusting to our policies and what is the, the, mis the component that you think you can get back if we gave it to you back? Not Heiss looking at surfaces that they don't know anything about Whereas you got track supers and you got jockeys, they, they they're doing that work and, and trainers talk to the horsemen about the medication policies that they've enacted and how it's impacted and if they think it has any you know cause and effect to these problems. I know a lot of horsemen and I'm sure you do too who'd love to be part of that conversation. Seems like this could be sort of a make or break opportunity at this point for HISA to either operate as a governing body listening to the voices of the other stakeholders and trying to incorporate a plan that makes sense or to keep shouting from the sidelines and and, and maybe uh, alienate people forever within the
Well, they, they do have that opportunity, right? They have an opportunity to, to, to pivot. Uh, whether they're willing to do that or not, I, I don't know. Um, if they're steadfast in their rules and they think their rules are working, whereas others think their rules are creating these problems, then there's a loggerhead thing, and then what did we accomplish by putting them in, having them come into place? There's been a lot of talk about the racing surfaces. Um, of course, synthetic surfaces, historically, they have these uh, better safety stats when you look at fatalities per, per thousand as opposed to dirt. But with so many of the fatalities here happening on the grass, it's my view that that might be more of a red herring than anything else. How important do you think the surfaces themselves could be to this uh, catastrophe of a summer? Look, at Belmont Park right now, we're, we're totally redoing all the surfaces. We're adding a synthetic surface and we're taking, we're redoing two turf courses and the main track. So does that have to be done here? I, I don't know. I don't know the history here as far as how they, how recently they've done this. I do know the only thing that the jockeys brought to my attention around about the turf course was where the gate sits. There's, it has created some sort of bump in the, in the surface where they, they need to address. But that's where they were telling me that hap that is is not where the fatalities are happening. A couple of them happened on the gallop out. A couple of them happened on the on the on the at the top of the stretch. So I, I don't know. Um, does a synthetic surface help? I don't know that either. Uh, there's other issues that come along with a synthetic surface. At least that's what the theories are. But in terms of injuries, not fatalities, but injuries that create long sustained layoffs that you might as well just have not the, not have the horse anymore so that was that actual or is that theory i don't know but i i do have a feeling that a synthetic surface of saratoga will be looked into whether it actually where where if it's actually practical or not to do i don't know well dave it's obviously a situation that gives us more questions than answers but we really appreciate you taking your time out to give your valuable insight on this stuff appreciate you very much my friend back to the desk Peter Thomas, Fornatown, back with you. We have left Saratoga Racecourse, but not really. We're just across the street at the offices of the Saratoga Special, and this is horse racing. And I'm joined by a man who's not just a, a journalist, but a former champion rider, a grade one winning owner at Saratoga as of last week with his uh, River Deep stables. He's Sean Clancy. Sean, how are you? Uh, good. It's uh, Sunday here in Saratoga. We had a rough day, obviously, yesterday, and uh, I think everybody's feeling it. You are one of the voices I turn to to help me explain what I see in horse racing. There's been several times, uh, you know, moments good and bad where you've been able to, to provide insight and help me see the world a little bit differently. Help me see this a little bit differently because, uh, you know, what I really see when I look at the Saratoga meet is kind of a horror show. Uh, look, it's been, I mean, I've been coming here since, uh, I mean, I've been here every summer since 1989 as a jockey first, people chase jockey, and then doing the Saratoga special since 2001. And yeah, it's been nothing. There's never been a meet like it. It's just the worst meet, the worst, uh, we've seen two of the, two of the worst um, breakdowns that I've ever seen in my life in horse racing. And they happen on the two biggest Saturdays of the meets. Uh, undefeated three-year-olds, three-year-old Philly, three-year-old Colt, undefeated, going to win the race um, to the point where you actually, the first one, Maple Leaf Mel, was watching with Tom Law, and I said, man, how game is this Philly? She put everybody away, and we were really celebrating her, and then boom, she goes. And yesterday, um, similar to me, or just, you know, going to win again, you know, it's going to win, and basically you were kind of, I was looking back to see who was going to be second, and uh, and then just went right in front of your eyes. So you hear just... that noise, that sickening noise from yeah, the crowd. Just... I was actually watching a monitor, and, and she said, "It is an awful moment where you know what you're about to see." And 
Well, let me ask you this. There are these similarities between these two three-year-olds, the brilliance, the precocity. Do we think that the breed itself could be one of the underlying causes here of the amount of breakdowns we've seen this year at Saratoga? I mean, I, I think it's a factor. Uh, as I keep, I, the, the most important thing I think for everybody to understand is obviously there's no one uh, magic um, magic pill that we can just take to fix this. This is this, or we would have done it. It's a very complicated, very, and, and every race team, every racing jurisdiction in the world is dealing with it. And um, it's there's no, it's a factor. I think there's there's just one there's there's a thousand factors on, on why these things happen, and I think you have to keep all of them in mind. You have to concentrate on the tangible things. But I mean, certainly our breed isn't as strong as it once was. I don't, I don't, just don't think anybody could uh, refute that. I think the the horses. You go back and look at the old books, and I pull that the Daily Racing for Champions book. I pull that out, and you look at the way horses ran, the way they campaigned. Um, now. Um, they're they're just they're just they're more fragile than they were. It's very much you know we changed our game with the lines of Stormcat. Europe changed their lines with with Sadler's Wells and Northern Dance and those great North American uh, pedigrees. And if you look that they they you know we we went for speed and 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 I think in a way we pay the price for that to some degree. One of the things we talked about off camera was the racing surfaces themselves, specifically the turf course with the amount of difficult weather we've had up here all meet long, but especially at the beginning of the meet. Do you think there were days if they had it to do over again where they had run on turf here where they would not now knowing what we know? Yeah, I mean, look, I was surprised early on when they ran, they ran races on soft turf during rainstorms. And I understand it from Naira's point of view. I totally get it. I mean, you have to look at all the factors. And, and you know, it, it's, it's you know, they obviously need the revenues important and full fields and the handle. And um, But I, I, I was surprised early on. I mean, the rain, I mean, the, the weather, I think for everybody to understand the weather, we've had the, the most violent weather we've ever seen in Saratoga. And I said, if I've always said this, if, I said, if, if it's the people quote me now in the office, if, if it starts, if it rains the beginning of the meet, it rains all meet. And we've had these just absolute dramatic, uh, just crazy rainstorms in the middle of the day. Glenn Kozak, super, track superintendent, he's always says, it's not how much rain you get, it's when you get the rain. Because you can prepare for that, you can seal the dirt track, you can, you know, and you're not running on the grass, it's different. But when you're running races on the grass and it's raining, it just, you end up tearing it up. I, I, I don't worry so much about running a horse in the rain. I worry about running on the turf course after horses have run on the turf in rain. In other so, words, yeah, knock-on effect potentially yeah. from something that happens early in the meet. Yeah. Uh, you you end up with a turf course maybe in a condition where it's not as safe as is possible. I mean, it's something's going on out there. That's one of the obvious things to point to. Yeah, we, we run more turf races here than I mean, back when I was you know back in the seventies, the eighties, when they ran two, three turf horses turf races a day, you kept it for the big races, you didn't have maiden claimers, you didn't have turf sprints. And that's changed dramatically over the last 10, over the last 10, 15 years up here, the amount of turf races, but they want full fields. The turf races feel better than the dirt races. They've given a cheap option to the turf horse. The, 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 I mean, they've given a turf option to the cheap, to the cheaper type horse. Back in the day, the cheaper type horse never got a chance to run the grass in New York. It just didn't happen. They went to another circuit. And now you have, you have, you, you have divisions, all the, there's maiden claimers, the New York Reds, there's turf sprinters. There's just, there's more and more races on the grass. And I think we've seen that. I think a, a turf, of course, can't take 
that type of racing when you get the weather. If, it, if the weather's fine, you know, it's, you, 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 know, it's, it, it, you can handle it. But when, the, when you get bad weather and you try to run this many turf races, yeah, I think you pay the price. I'm not a fan of high-level racing on synthetic surfaces. But as you're talking, I'm sort of seeing the role that synthetic really could play in New York to get full fields, cart them only for cheaper horses, maybe try to put the grass back in the realm where it once was for a couple of races a day for higher class animals. I mean, you think a plan like that might be able to help? Are you in favor of synthetic in that regard? Look, look synthetic tracks in America is, 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 a, is a quintessential example of how we mismanage the sport. We somehow thought, we, we, it was marketed that synthetic tracks were going to be the end-all, be-all. We'll never have another, another breakdown. It's going right. to fix everything. And, and without any knowledge of it, without any experience, without putting, it had never been in the climates where they put them in, and they didn't have experience. And we went from, we turned, we, we, we have a tendency to turn something, turn a positive into a negative. The synthetic tracks in this country could have been a great positive uh, addition to our sport and a tool in the toolbox. And that's how you have to look at it. Yes, if you have a, if you have a synthetic option, certainly when races come off the grass, you can run them on synthetic. It's, this way has to be safer than running on a, on a wet dirt track. Training, we do so much damage to our horses training on a wet surface. And, and I, I had a friend of mine, George Baker, the trainer, he came over sure. here and, and he came and, and he, he came to Saratoga. I told him how great Saratoga was. He got here and it was just one of those monsoons weak and they, all the race were off the grass. And he was watching horses train on, on, on the wet track. And he said, I can't believe they train on this track. I said, George, they have no other option. And if they don't train today, the horse gets fresher tomorrow and fresher the next day. And the horse, he, he's just like hurt himself in the stall because he's not training. And I said, they, the trainers here don't have an option. You have to train your horse on, on the surface that is, that is at hand. And that's what we have to concentrate on improving our surface. A, a synthetic option to train on it would, is, would be a great addition. Seems I think, like a no-brainer. Yes, and I think they've used it in, in, at Belmont. They've, and, and I'm not not bashing Naira. I mean, I think Naira's trying to do the best. They've, they've made great additions. They improved the Oklahoma training track. They've put a, this turf course over here where they breeze now is so much safer, so much better. They've done a, they've done a lot of work and a lot of great things here. But unfortunately, they you can only do so much with what you have. And, and I mean, we're trying to rate, we're trying to train on the dirt track. 5:30 in the morning, it needs to be open for training. They close it at 10:30. At the end of training, and you have to have that track ready to race for to be raced on at one o'clock. Travers Day at eleven thirty. An hour I mean, later. Yeah, an hour later. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how. I mean, these guys are in, under such pressure. I don't. I'm not knocking the track superintendent, and I'm not knocking Naira. I understand where they're coming from, but unfortunately, sometimes the, the short term gain, gain it, it will hurt you as a long hurt the long term, and I think that's maybe what we've seen a little bit this mean? I have to ask a Heisa question. You know, they're, they're, it seems uh, potentially more than coincidence, according to many uh, horse people I've talked to, that these new medication rules come in and we've had so many high profile incidents this summer. Um, do you think that that's a reasonable hypothesis? Could some of the medications not being allowed for training in the morning be contributing to some of the, the horror show stuff we're seeing in the afternoon? I don't have any knowledge of that. I don't have any insight as far as no. I haven't had any trainers say that to me. I haven't had, and I haven't really asked that question. Um, I think it's a possibility. Again, I think the only way you can attack a problem is looking at all the options, and everything is on the table. I think from 
all the way from from breed, breeding and how how we breed horses today. I think nutrition. If you look at you know are these are these foals not getting the same? You know if they're GMO processed soy based uh, feed. You know you go all the way back to that. I mean it, you know certainly humans aren't eating as healthy as they were 50 years ago. You think about what what the processed food is is that a factor? Raising them to 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 be sold as yearlings and two year olds and that and not we we've lost our all our owner breeders not all but a lot of them and so I think everything needs to be on the table. Heisa, conceptually, is the right idea. Whether they can, they are looking at something, they have no blueprint, they have no experience, and they're they're just flying. I mean, they're flying in the dark because they they've never done this before. I wish they would have concentrated on the big picture stuff. That national uniform licensing practices so a guy can't get he can't go to another state and just set up tent and go and train horses there i think uniform licensing practice uniform medication rules i mean the state the, the, the states we with is the united states of america we have different state laws one to the next speed limits we can't get abortion we can't come up with a national abortion law i mean we we just this is this and that's where horse racing is today i mean we're, we're we have different states different racing jurisdictions and so complicated um, could that be a factor? Sure, I think I think it could be, and I think it's something that obviously should be on the table. And I think they need to be looking at that. Toughest question of all: Where do we go from here? What are the action steps for us as an industry? I, I, I mean, look, we, we've got to try to. We, as I wrote in a column this year, we can we can we can't make horse racing safe. We can make it safer, and that's the goal. And we have to get everything on the table and look at everything, and that goes for every everybody in the industry. And try to get we need to try to get everybody pulling in the same direction and that's that's one of the biggest problems we have is the best thing for the track management is full fields that might not be the best thing for, for the horse and uh, the, the the best thing for the trainer is to have a horse in his barn year-round racing all the time you know go that that might not be the best thing for the horse that horse might need some time off on a farm might need, need need different things i think that's where our sport is really struggling with that is there's not two entities really pulling in the same direction and I think we've got to figure out how we can pull in the same direction. We've got, we've got a mountain to climb. We have a major, major, major problem, um, and it's going to take everybody to pull in the same direction and, and try to get on board to fix it. I, I think that you have to concentrate on tangible things that you can fix, and that is the, the rough riding over here. You can fix that immediately. You can get uniform medication rules or try to. You can you can improve the training facilities. I, I I keep saying it. I've written about it. I keep saying it. But we have to have an equine therapy center at every racetrack. I mean, we we build the 1863 club here, which is brilliant. They make I'm sure it makes them a lot of money. But we these horses don't have you know they need they need access to a saltwater therapy. They need access to a hyperbaric chamber. They need access to a vibrating floor. They you know invest in the infrastructure of the training facilities to improve the health of our horse. That's something tangible. That you can get that you can get your head around, and, and so I, that's we have to concentrate on tangible things that we can address and try to fix. Sean, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. You can read Sean in the Saratoga special, and also at this is uh, this is horseracing.com, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Cheers. And that's going to do it for this truncated version of the show. Want to thank uh, Sean Clancy and David Granning for all of their help. Uh, Dermot Comiskey, Martin Baker over at Sky. I want to thank them as well for helping me pull these files together and bring you this uh, Monday morning show. 
I'll put in a little plug too. I mean, I know in the United States, you can't really watch the Sky Sports Racing product, but it is fantastic if you're listening internationally. And at the races.com is available internationally. Uh, lots of great racing coverage from around the world on that site and something you're going to want to check out as well. We'll be back tomorrow with a more traditional show, but again, wanted to get this issue addressed, get some stuff out there. And I hope it's helped uh, some of you to process what's going on the way that it helped me uh, talking to Dave and to Sean. Hopefully that's putting us a step in the right direction anyway. That's going to do it for In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas for Natal. May you win all your photos.